Hello and welcome to episode 91 of the Flames Fancast. Uh, it's, been, it's been a long time, this is true. But uh, hey, at least you don't have to suffer through any more Flames hockey. That is the good part because uh, our season is over. And we are out of the playoffs. And uh, we are out of a general manager. And we still have the same team. <laughs> and they're going to be here for a long, long time. And, yeah, we're not very good. No. We can rewind back to the last episode where we started at the end and then worked our way back to the beginning and said we're not going to make the playoffs. I want to give them some credit, though. They made a – that was a good push. I mean, was it, they, was they, it really? I mean, it, it was better than I expected. I didn't expect this to be we, we, there to like basically the second last game. And I guess this is characteristic of the entire season, but we were unable to sustain any kind of momentum. And that Chicago game where Chicago has absolutely nothing to play for and they beat us at home. And then we, we, sh- we show up the next day and absolutely dominate Winnipeg. That just encapsulates our season. It's just... Grossly disappointing. I, I I don't know if that's an overstatement. It's disappointing. This team should have been better than it was. And uh, we got punished in the worst way. We didn't make the playoffs. We finished outside of the playoffs with, what, the best record? Second best record? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to swallow. It's a really hard pill to swallow because I, I agree with you. It's not like... And I'm not saying I was impressed by the last, like, six games, to be clear. What sucked and what was a big realization for me was we finally made our first streak of the season for the last eight games, basically. We broke our three-game... That's, like, that's, that's sad. It's, it's really sad. And then when I look at the standings, I noticed, you know, everyone talks about it. We had 17 overtime losses. Yeah. I think it was top of the league. Yeah. You give me half of those, we're in the playoffs. I think that stung me hard because... But, you know, every time we play three-on-three and we're matched up against the other team's three best players at a time, we are outclassed. We are outmatched. For sure. They they beat us in overtime because we're not good enough in the the three-on-three game. We do not have the skill or the speed necessary to compete there. Yeah. And the, there, there were some, there were some howlers though. Like I, I still won't forget Backlund's terrible shift on that one overtime loss we had. Yeah, yeah. I won't forget some of the shit that Markstrom did in the overtimes, like where he led in some pretty weak ones. Like absolutely. Like I said, give me you don't you don't even need to give me half of those OT losses. You can give me four, and but, we would have been in the playoffs, right? The thing is though, you watch our OT play, and. <clears throat> It, to me, it's very, very, very defensive. Like, yeah. it's keeping the puck and really, really making sure we just have possession. And then just trying not to give it up. And then when we're in the zone, we're just matched man for man. And, you know, the other teams, when we make a mistake, which we inevitably do, they're on a two-on-one or they're on a breakaway or they're on a breakout. And, and uh, they're just given more high-quality scoring chances than we are, which encapsulate our season, right? We outshoot, epo- uh, we outshoot our opponents regularly, every game almost. But our high-quality scoring chances seem few and far between. 
But I'm not entirely certain that it just ends there. I think some of the overtime, uh, sorry, the shootout selections we make. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean the Richie look, thing, right? It's not even just that, but like, yeah, you know, you're treating this like it's a nothing game when you're putting a guy like Richie as part of your trio of shootouts. Yeah. I mean, can't you can't do that. Like that that is what you call like it's almost textbook hockey malfunction. Like it's it's almost like you have no idea that you're you have no knowledge of the sport if you're putting a guy like Richie on the I, on I the mean, shootout. <laughs> Why, no, why? Seriously. why is this happening? Because like it's there's 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 a few things. I have a theory. Is that it's Sutter hates This is what I wanted. Sutter hates players of fans like. Because it's gone to a point where it's so vocal on our fan base that, hey, why aren't you playing Matthew Phillips? Hey, why aren't you playing Rosichka more? Hey, why aren't you playing, you know, ABC player more? Instead, we're seeing guys like Trevor Lewis, we're seeing guys like Richie, we're seeing guys like Lucic, we're seeing guys like I don't know. Who else we have here that just kind of they're just plugs they don't really do anything they don't really add anything Explain to the play to me the kevin, but, uh, no but i'm just saying kevin rooney exactly what, what like, is that so i i'm saying here that it's almost like a rebellion against the fans by sutter he's almost like all i hear is all about you guys talking to me about some twig of a player that should be playing who's actually dominating the hl by the way uh, and so instead of that, I'm going to play these big bruisers that I fucking believe in. And I like these good old boys. Right. And it's almost a big fuck you to the fans. Why? And Why? on top of that, no, because guys like Sutter, if, if I'm reading this right, guys like Sutter kind of look down on fans like us. They kind of look at us being like, buddy, I've been around this league for a long time. I have two fucking Stanley cups. You guys came to me. Right? Yeah. I yeah. was fucking hanging out, slaughtering cows. I didn't give a <laughs> fuck. You came to me. And I said, I'm going to run the club the way I want to run the club. Now, at some point, I think the GM and him fell out of sorts. Right? It wasn't the first season. It was certainly this season. And I bet you it was situations where Trelving's like, dude, sit down. We need to talk. You need to play guys like Phillips. So You need to call up Wolf. In a season where Markstrom was completely shitting the bed, we were playing Vladar, and then when Vladar started kind of falling off, it's not like Markstrom started crushing it. Well, he was no, kind of but, I mean, when, average. Listen, in the beginning part of the season, Vladar was solid. 100%. I'm and saying he when never, he started he falling off. He never got off. a consistent chance. Well, and that's, but he started falling off when he started getting those chances when Sutter was like, you win, you're in. But but then Markstrom basically we decided Markstrom's our goalie for the playoff run here that we're going in the last right. fifteen games or twenty games or whatever. Vladar never really got a and sniff and 100%. he wasn't good enough. No, hundred percent. But then I guess all I'm trying to get at is Treloving and him had a falling out, I think, at some point in the season, probably halfway, where he gave Phillips such a half ass chance. He only gave him a chance because he just wanted people to stop bitching at him about it. Well, I think right? I don't think that I don't know if it doesn't seem to me like Sutter is a real big Treloving hire. I know, but it, it doesn't matter because I think Treloving sat there and said, I'm going to give I, you full reign here. But I think when you have a GM who doesn't have the power of a GM, like our guy might have not have had when he's left now. But Well, I think that's why he left. It looks like the coach has more power than he should because... Sutter is probably one of the more powerful coaches in the league, if not the most well, powerful we, we coach gave, in the league. Yeah, but we gave him that power. 
exactly. And, and, it, and I think that has a lot to do with ownership. I think a lot of this falls on ownership. Yeah. Because they're putting out uh, a good team that lacks any kind of ambition or drive. Or, for lack of a better word, we lack skill at a lot of parts this season. Huberdeau had the worst point drop-off in NHL history. He had, what was it, 115 last season? I don't even know what he had this season. What is it? In the 50s or 60s? I think it was low 60s, high 50s, yeah. It was the highest, but it was the highest drop. Like, it was headline news everywhere. Now, that said, can you get any worse next year? Probably not, because if you want to drop that many points again next season, you're basically going to have to get zero. So you can't, you can't break that record next season. Um, so the good news is that for Flames fans is that Huberto should have a better year next year <laughs> from a net drop raise perspective. Um, and I mean, I, I still stand by what Treliving did with those players as brilliant GM work because I think he's working in a framework that, is, that the ownership says, we want to be competitive now. And Treliving went out and gave them the pieces for a competitive team now. And it's on those players and the coaching that they didn't perform. Okay, so rank the blame. You have a choice of this. Owners, general manager, coach, players. And players all in Blame for what? Not making the playoffs? No, blame just the general state and how shitty the we are. The general state Who's of the team? Who's responsible right now? I believe ownership shoulders the number one blame for thinking that this team didn't need a complete rebuild. Agreed. Which I believe after we've stuck with the Johnny and Monty and Kachuk core for however many years and it hasn't worked, the best we've achieved is a second round playoff exit. Now we've seen a team that on paper looked like one of the best in the West and didn't even make playoffs, couldn't even beat Chicago in a single game this season. In a game that mattered the most in this season. I think ownership, and I think it's their greed. Their greed in that they want to put out a competitive team that will sell tickets, that will sell beer, that will keep bums in seats, and will make them money in 82 regular season games and whatever playoffs bring is a bonus. Because anything playoff in this city is absolutely wild. It's absolutely wild now. And like sports, you know, when we look at our playoff run in 2004, that was wild, but it had been very tame before then, right? Mm-hmm. The Saddle Dome wasn't always full because we, we had a garbage team for the 90s. 90s were a rough era for the Flames. Early 2000s, too, until 2004. And then we went all the way, and that has completely changed the face of this franchise. We've never been able to live up to that, obviously. It's been 20 years. But ownership <laughs> number one, like, I, I, I can't... It has to be on ownership because they're the ones steering this ship, and they're steering it in the wrong direction. Living is told what to do, and he's told to put out a product that is competitive, and he went out, and he, he did extremely well, in my opinion. That, when that deal went down, the Huberto, I remember you texting me, I was in the States on holiday, and I was like, are you, are you kidding me? We got yeah, a Huberto? Yeah, it was huge. It was and huge. I, immediately, I'm like, in my head, it's like, these guys are in the last year of their contract. Yeah. That's why they're coming The skepticism Calgary. kicked yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. But he, he got <clears> them signed. He got them signed. Which made that was an A plus summer, yeah. And then this year happens, and uh, honestly, I blame the players more than I blame the coach because you have to be accountable for what you do. I agree. And that was just Hooper Doe. Ninety percent of the games I watched him, 
it was just, he was invisible. It was just such a lackluster effort, a lack of care, and like a depression that I've left Florida for this, and there was absolutely no resiliency in that player. Uyghur, disappointing. Kadri, pretty disappointing as well. Had a great start, too. But, like, you know, After these, the these guys break, coming in with the these bed. kinds of caliber and expectations. Huberdeau had the second most points in the NHL last year. Yeah. What the actual fuck was what we just watched? <laughs> what was that? I can't. I can. The only game that's memorable to me is I can't even remember the game. But it was the one where uh, his agent came out and said something on Twitter. And Huberdeau's like, I didn't say it, but I, I guess you fired me up. And I was like, gee, thanks, buddy, for getting fired up at game 50, man. Way to, yeah. way to go. And just, just the general attitude of these guys. Um, I don't know. Someone should have read the writing on the wall because you look at exit interviews, and we'll get to that too, but Backlund. Let's look at Backlund. Basically, the guy we were talking about at the beginning of the season who may or may not deserve to be captain, I guess because of his tenure, and he's an older flame, but he comes out saying, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be. I don't want to be here. I, I want to win a Stanley Cup. I'm like, man, you're a 34, 35 year old center with a five million contract. Nobody is going to take you uh, next year. You you might be traded at the deadline because you're cheap then, and you can fill in as a third line center and a penalty killer for a team that's competitive. That's it. You're not getting traded before that. I don't think for anything of value, unless you're going to Arizona or something like that. But what do I know, right? <laughs> But these guys are non-committal on staying here, and that should be a message to ownership. You have all these guys who are saying, no, no one's saying, I believe in this group. It's like, I'm disappointed. We played so poorly. I can't believe it. What do you mean you can't believe it? I just watched 82 games of pretty much garbage. Games that we just, I don't know. It's frustrating, right? We're frustrated, but mostly ownership players, coach, GM and to me the GM basically shoulders no blame. Yeah. I don't I don't blame Treliving at all. Um I think it was honestly it was the right move for him to move on because I think he's done everything he could do with this team. He's done absolutely everything he could do and there's nothing else that he can say and he's in a position where he's got to go and he's an extremely talented GM in my opinion. Like he did great work for us. And it was the players and the coaches and perhaps the mandate from ownership that have screwed us. And now ownership has to look at this team and we have to, I don't know how we blow up, blow it up. I don't know how you blow up a Kadri, a Uyghur and a, and a Huberto. Those guys are here forever on eight year deals. Who's going to take that? How are we going to, we're stuck with those guys. And that's, that's eating up what? Near 30 million in salary, maybe, maybe 25 million. Um, sorry, I talked. No, I mean, this is why we're doing the podcast and we haven't done one in a while because we've had a lot of life shit going on. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like everybody congrats, congratulate Tyler for getting a house. Yeah. Big man. And guys, congratulate Jank. He's, uh, he's talking to girls again. (laughs) That's good. Um, (laughs) I would rank it as number one ownership, number two players. Number three coach, number four GM too. Same. I think I think you did the same. Yeah. I'm looking at ownership going like you guys don't like again, the decision making from from ownership to coaching is 
almost as if you guys don't understand hockey, but you've been doing it for so long. Every single decision and every single trade that's been made, what or sorry, signing that's been made, not trades, but signings. And I swear to God, those signings were preempted by Sutter. Guys like fucking Kevin Rooney and, and this stupid trade for Richie, which net benefited nobody. Like, in fact, I think we lost that, believe it or not, because that guy sucks. Like, is he took away a spot from a guy in the AHL, any of those guys. We have three very, pl- like, very legitimate prospects down there that we should be bringing up more often, but we don't. They should be on the team next year. 100%, but they won't be because they're, they're a buck 50 and they're fucking five foot tall and you can't ride on this ride if you're not this tall. Right, you can't ride the fucking roller coaster Sutter if you're not that, a certain fucking that's, size. That's assuming Sutter is coach. Well, we'll get to that too. But ownership has to look at themselves and be like, "Are you running this like a fucking business, or are you running this like a hockey team?" You can do both. There are there are clubs in the in the NHL that do both, and you're gonna hate to hear this, but. They're the ones that fucking are okay with tanking every fucking 10 years and rebuilding their goddamn franchises. I'm not saying the Kings are going to beat the Oilers in the first round here, but I'm saying that the Kings did a fucking right. They had two years there where they were essentially a dynasty team. There was no weakness in that team. They were fucking stacked. Sutter was a great coach back then, and that was like the perfect profile for him. And then when all that kind of went to shit, they started tanking. They were okay with it. Right, and they didn't sit there and get first overalls. You know, they got I, I can't remember the names right now. Like, but there's a there's a third overall in there. There's a fifth overall in there. They have a lot of young players. They have a lot of young players, good. and they're stepping up. And they stepped up last season in the playoffs. They won way more games than we did against the Oilers. They actually put up a fight. Right, I thought didn't that go to seven or six? Yeah, it yeah, went to seven. It went yeah. to seven. Fucking shame on you guys. Look at the Kings. The Kings are an excellent example of. A franchise that still makes money, yes, bigger market, fine, but they still had a dynasty team and they turned it around. It's it hasn't even been eight years or nine years since they last basically won. I think it was twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen yeah. or some shit. And I mean, you know, they're not afraid. There's a number of teams like that. Chicago, Chicago is the same. Pittsburgh, Chicago is very vocal about throwing in the towel. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, and you know, at the same time, I think there is an excitement in the city especially with fans, when they know that there's a plan, and we've fucking harped on this so many fucking episodes. If you have a plan, ownership, if you have a plan, people will show up. Real fans will show up. They won't care if they lose 82 fucking games. They won't. If they know that you're trying to fucking sit there and stack up picks for the next five years, they're not going to give a shit. And it's going to take you five, six, seven years to rebuild a team. And by the time you do that, all those shitty contracts we're all talking about yeah. have like two or one years left. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and on top of that, if you happen to get, let's say, I'm not saying a McDavid, but let's say you get a top three pick out of those five years, you get three, two or three top three picks in those five years. By the time that those star players that you picked need to re-sign on that restricted contract after their three-year entry, you got the money. You got the money because guess what? Huberto, Kadri. Uyghur, all these guys are going to be fucking at the end of their contracts. So here's, here's a, you know what? I'm kind of looking at this as an opportunity now. Where you, Game I, is last season. No, I know, but this is, <laughs> this is a real opportunity where no one's going to like this idea, but we need to try it because what the fuck is the downside? 
you keep all these shit contracts because you have to. No one's going to take Huberdeau. No one's going to take Uyghur. No one's going to take Kadri. Because all these contracts take them to their late 30s. Um, you basically trade everybody else. And then you start bringing up everybody from the A. And then you keep a select two, three players that actually want to fucking be here. Because you touched on the inter- exit interview. Lindholm was with, he's whiff-waffing as well. Yeah. He was like, and, you know, even Uyghur, like, saying that shit about the stadium. Man, go fuck yourself, okay? I don't give a fuck about, but, but, <laughs> nobody cares what you think about the fucking stadium. You should have played harder. As if the stadium is going to make you play better. It's not. And it's not like, like uh, you know, it's going to be built by the time you're in your prime. Yeah, and I didn't realize that Backlund said very negative things about being here. You fucking ship him too. He, I... I was a big Backlund fan this season and in the playoffs last year, but go fuck yourself. Yeah. You don't want to be here he, either. He Great. had a good season, but he's yeah. like, I want to win a Stanley Cup. And basically the message was non-committal about being yeah. here. So, okay. But, so we're looking at players that I already have. We already have like 10 players that you can basically get rid of for value. Maybe keep Anderson, right? Because the guy, as far as I know, didn't fucking complain, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you keep Stone, you keep, you know, maybe Hannafin wants to, I don't know. But point is, keep the guys that want to stay. Keep the guys with the shit contracts. Trade everybody fucking else. Everybody is disposable at this point. Bring up fucking Wolf. I think he's going to be a great goalie for us. I don't give a fuck if he's five foot nine or whatever the fuck he is. He looks tiny in that. Who gives a fuck? Guy is literally number one in every single category in the AHL. Literally number one. Goals against average, save yeah. percentage, shutouts, everything wins. The guy is good. What, what, what more could a player like that do to prove himself? Well, he can't do anymore. He's literally number one in and, everything. And I mean, what is restricting you? And yes, you have a last year Vesna candidate goalie uh, on your team who this year had a save percentage below 90. Yeah. Below 90. It's those kind of Those kind of players lose their job in the NHL. And this isn't a below 90 uh, after 20 games. This is like a 50, 60 game goaltender. Yeah. yeah. It's it's unacceptable. And and for I I have to say for Markstrom's sake you need to get rid of him too because I think mentally now he's fucked here. Right? He's fucked because I think he got fucked mentally in the playoffs last year and then this year he got fucked mentally cuz he just sat there and he was basically eating himself while he was in net on the ice by himself talking to himself going like Fucking make a save, fucking yeah. make. You know he's saying he was that. Just, I think he was just. He's getting trying too head. hard. He was getting and there in was his just head. Too much going on, so, and you know we got to fire the sports psychologist and uh, get a new one. Yeah, but, well, whatever. I mean, so D- Dustin Wolf doesn't have these ghosts in his closet. And honestly, you want to introduce a guy like Dustin Wolf in a season and on a team where the expectations are low. And Dustin Wolf is a seventh round pick. A yeah. guy who's come from nothing, who's expecting nothing, who has to earn every single chance 100%. he gets. He's already won in my books and by being that. 100%. And he needs to go in there with an atmosphere where it's like, we're not trying to make the playoffs, guys. If you do, fantastic. But we're not really expecting it because we're time to rebuild. So you raise that point about, listen, I have no faith in this organization's <clears throat> ability to actually nurture and raise and see grow together a group of prospects that would take a five-year rebuild because the way we treat our prospects is pretty poor in my opinion well that's time to change that image i agree but i i also liken us to you know the san jose's of five ten years ago where 
they always have a good competitive team. They have a great regular season. They finish well in the regular season. They look strong, never amount to anything in the playoffs. For sure. And maybe that's when guys like Huberto might actually step up by the time we make the playoffs again. <laughs> when but is I that going to be, TBD? We... <sighs> but like, I'm looking at this as, look, just from a 50,000-foot level, this season looked like a bunch of guys that had absolutely no idea how hockey is played or coached or managed at all. That just That's what it looked like to it me. It didn't look like they were having any fun. No. It didn't look like they really enjoyed being around each other. No. There was no teamwork, no camaraderie, no no support for each other. No. And I mean, I say these things as an outsider. I wasn't in the locker room, but I feel like when teams have these things, you 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 could tell by the body language sometimes of some of these players. Like Uyghur caught on camera, he has that look like, oh, there's Markstrom again. You know, yeah, that kind of completely. thing. Completely. Just toxic. Like if you if you believe that you support a guy, that look never comes across your face. No, no, you go to the goalie and you just you, you hit him on the pads and be like, okay, let's go, yeah. right? You, uh, but, but again, the players probably have no belief in him. Yeah, and, but can you blame him either no, for as bad uh, as he played? But you don't have that. You need to have that at, at this level. You need to have so many things to be successful at this level. And we did not have those things. On paper, we had a good, skilled, quality-looking team, and that was about it. Yep. There were not the rest of the things that we needed there for us to be successful. And I think, I know Sutter signed his contract this season, but, and he's got what, three years left? Well, he's got two. He, two now? He well, might have one or he might have two years left. I thought, I thought it was more than that. Well, it's regardless. No more, it's no more than two. Well, he signed this season though. It was an extension this year. Remember? Yeah, and then it guys would have been a three-year extension. Okay, so this year counted. I think so. I thought the extension starts this coming year. It's called an extension. I don't know, man. Okay, anyway, let's just call two years. We'll split the fucking middle here. Um, do you get rid of him? Because what is that, three and a half, four a year? What do was I, it? Do I, listen, do you I blame the players more than the coach. Therefore, my gut tell, and I, Sutter has made a lot of coaching decisions that I did not agree with this year. And some of his rationales, for example, I don't pull the goalie until a minute left because the goalie is a part of the team. He's got to fight just like everybody else. I'm like, we need a goal, Daryl. He can't be up there scoring a goal. Like, come on, man. You, you need to get over yourself and pull the goalie. And he, he did it in the last games of the season a bit earlier where we really needed to score. He pulled him soon. Finally, it took a long time for that to happen. But Yeah, I mean, it's... Do I... If I you, don't really do I think yeah. they will fire the coach? No. Because I think he has he has hooks in ownership somehow. And that is It's a good and a bad thing. It's good when it works. But it's really bad when it's all falling apart and you need to cut the fucking cord. I think if anyone was going to go it, if Trilliving stayed, Daryl is going to go, but Trilliving's gone. And maybe if they get a GM in that says, I want to do what I want with the coach, maybe he goes. But right now, I can't see Daryl going because they're probably going to go with some solidity. Well, the, the contract co- cost is currently unknown, ex- according to Cap Friendly. But I could have swore to you it was like three-something mil. I mean, but- that's on ownership, though. <laughs> if you fire him, you pay him out. But you should be firing him because you're not concerned about the money. You're concerned about the success of the team. Yeah, and I kind of... Look, if you take the route that we're both suggesting where you want to rebuild, um, 
Sutter's not your guy. No, and but He's I not. mean, even if we can't rebuild, Sutter is not the coach for these players. There is a damaged relationship with a number of these players, I think. Huberdeau, number one. And Huberdeau is here until the, the, you know, the second coming of Christ, right? He's here forever. Yeah. We can't get rid of Huberdeau, I don't think. It would make more sense to get, get rid of Daryl. But these are choices that you really don't want to be making. And I think you got to look at Daryl and you have that meeting as ownership. Be like, and, and especially the guys that apparently have a good relationship with him. Be like, listen, we have to rebuild. We, we've been doing this for a long time. And I, we, I we peaked I, at round two. You need to play ball. does that. I know, but I'm, we're talking about what we want ownership to do, right? <laughs> we're not talking about what ownership is doing. Because as far as I'm concerned, ownership, I don't know how long these guys have been around for owning this team. But we probably have had zero Stanley Cups with them. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So Well, if our only Stanley Cup was 89. Yeah. So the yeah. odds are that these guys... Maybe the odd guy was around then. I, I, I doubt it. But guess what, guys? We haven't won a Stanley Cup. No. And so if you're in it for the money, at least make it fucking more obvious. And then tell us what the plan is. If you want a mediocre, barely makes the playoffs from time to time team that rests their laurels on some star that either fucking makes it or break it one year or the other year or whatever it is, then fine. Like, at least I can go to the Saddle Dome disappointed. And then set my fucking bar low so that when I come home, I'm not fucking smashing anything. But if you want to take a chance, I ask ownership what the fucking downside is of doing doing any type of rebuild because you're still going to sell seats. You're still going to sell your season tickets. You're still going to get the corporate tickets. And on top of that, it's going to be such a drastic change for the fans that there will be an excitement in the stadium to see guys like Coronado or guys like Peliche trying to score goals. I think there's excitement with that. Even if you lose a game 8-2, yeah. but if Coronado and Peloche score, I bet you the fans don't go home that upset well, because there's at least something going on here. I just want to see, I don't know about your feeling this year, but I want to see something different because early on, even by at least halfway through this part of the season, I wasn't very interested in watching games because they're boring. Oh, yeah. Like, we are a boring team there was no excitement and there was no offensive flair and i i did not have any confidence in the players and you know you know that preseason belief that you always have it trickles in right around end august early september you're like oh shit here we yeah, go yeah. we're gonna win it all get the odd trade. we, we yeah. got these guys now and then that that was just gone so soon and you know when we when we just crashed and burned with the shootout loss to nashville I was like, it was the least, least sad I've ever been in a, for a Flames loss. It was just like, we have deserved this. We are just going to get wrecked if we make the playoffs. Yeah, we weren't going to do anything. And our, and our chances are like, oh, we just got to get in. We couldn't even get in. Nashville finished ahead of us in points, and they traded players away at the deadline. They were sellers. We were buyers. We bought Troy Stretcher. I, I, or we traded for Troy Stretcher, who was actually a good pickup. That guy should stay. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a good right. player. He's all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> better than some of the other hacks we have. But I'm not, I'm not saying he's, yeah, I'm not saying he's a stud either. I mean, he no, scored some pretty important but goals. He but he played with heart. Yeah, I don't mind that. But, like, there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a line that you have to draw in the sand that where it's heart versus grit versus a Sutter-type player that adds nothing. 
I don't think stretcher is those. I see other of those. I know, but, but but this is the line I want to draw here. Is that like I don't mind a guy like stretcher, right? But I do mind having guys like fucking Nick Ritchie and fucking Trevor Lewis on the team. Yeah, th- I do mind that because they're not good. Well, my main problem is players filling the top three lines who aren't actually filling those lines. Well, I mean, I I thought it was brilliant to put Lucic on the first line. I don't know what you're talking about. It no, worked for like two games. Those are the spots that we're arguing, well, Matthew Phillips can't play fourth line. Sure. But uh, it's not like any of the guys in the top three lines are really keeping him out of the lineup. Well, I, again, I don't really understand why we can't even make line three the first line from our AHL team. Uh, because uh, that just isn't Daryl Sutter hockey. I know, but it's just, you know, he, the, the fuck is hockey? He does, doesn't look like he understands hockey with some of these fucking choices he makes, man. You have a must-win point, and you put fucking Nick Ritchie on the fucking shootout, man. I'd rather have Markstrom take it I mean, than is him, that, Is that a message to the other players? What is uh, that? Well, fuck your message, too, because we needed a fucking point. You sit there and you talk about how all these top players don't produce. I don't know how many times you said that in post-game interviews. Like he said that numerous times this season. The top guy's got to produce. Top guy's got to produce. Well, put him in a fucking situation like that. Make him produce, right? I know you're trying them in the power play. I know they have their first line, but put the puck when when the game is on the line like that, because yeah. big players want the puck, even yeah. if they're playing like shit that game. They want the puck. They want to take the shot, right? Yeah. Maybe not Huberto. For some reason, the guy doesn't like shooting. But, like, give it to a Kadri. Give it to, to Foley. Give it to, you know, Backlund. Like, these, these are the players that, you know, Toffoli, one of our better players of the season. Well, hell which of the year, man. Not what you need. No, I mean, he's probably not the guy you want leading the team. But at the same time, like, I don't mind it. Yeah. Like, we... We said at the season preview episode where we were expecting Toffoli to have that one of that a huge rebound because he he strikes me as the guy that says he doesn't care about the money he doesn't care about he's one of those guys like I was really shit this year and I really want to come back next year and he did that well, last year wasn't great for he's him. still signed so yeah but last year wasn't great for him and then this year this was a record year almost for the guy yeah so in fairness to him I don't mind him stepping up that well. But if it came at a detriment of basically other guys not producing, that sucks. But that's their problem, not Toffoli's. <laughs> it is. Lindholm. I mean, where was he this year? Manjipani. Manjipani also. Well, Huberto, <clears throat> Huberto's a given. Coleman has been disappointing. Coleman and his dumbass penalties because of his stupid fucking temper, man. Like, this guy needs to calm the fuck down. I like his intensity, but Jesus, dude, like... the. Fucking penalties it took this year were yeah. insanely dumb. Dumb, right? Dumb, dumb, and those, dumb. So those are all dumb like penalties. Domino I, so effect. So many offensive zone penalties. You <clears> know? That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a domino effect of the stupidity. When you do something stupid, stupid things follow through, and then stupid things happen to the team. I.e., you take a dumb fucking penalty, you get a look, goal look against. At this cutting edge analysis. Well, I mean, think about it. If the guy gets a dumbass penalty and that team scores a fucking goal on a dumbass fucking power play. Because yeah. of the dumbass penalty, and then they end up winning that game by the one goal that we pretty much lost almost every game by one goal. Yeah, you think about that. You take away even five dumbass penalties, we could have had two more points on the season, right? And then you give me just one overtime loss, an extra point. All of a sudden, we're fucking in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of season we were going through. It's like it was it was truly a game 
of inches in the respect of stupid fucking decisions on the on the uh, shootouts, dumbass fucking penalties, especially offensive zone penalties, like fucking too many man eyes uh, power plays, uh, you know, stupid fucking squabbles between some players and the coach, this reluctancy to play good fucking players in the HL, this reluctancy to like give ice time when they do get called up, right? You call him up for the sake of calling him up. You gave the guy, you gave Phillips like four shifts, man. What the fuck? What, what, why are you wasting that kid's time? Like, fuck it. I know. You might as well just look him in the face be like, I'm just going to fuck you. So I'm going to go and trade you instead. You know, if you have any decency, like if ownership has any decency, like from a human level, they have to trade Phillips. Because they're not going to, with Sutter here or a coach similar to Sutter, it's not personal. But I mean, Phillips, Phillips, didn't he clear waivers? Well, someone I, could I claim know. him. Well, I would just trade him. Just trade him. I mean, him. there's no value in the guy if he's not being claimed. I mean, you claim yes the guy, no. you, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay anything to get him. Yes and no, but I'm kind of, I'm still in the in the school of, if you're not going to give this kid a chance and you're going to be have a coach, it doesn't have to be Sutter. A coach that's not going to give a guy like that a chance, get rid of him. At least get something out of it. There's no need to let him like become a career AHL player when he might be able to break a team like Phoenix or something. Yeah. Right? Do the guy a fucking favor. He's worked his ass off for the fucking for the team, the Wranglers, and he, you know, he's not going to get a chance here. Get rid of him. Get something out of it. And if guys like Lindholm all this like are giving us the signs that they're not going to resign, you better fucking get rid of them right away too because you're going to be stuck in a situation just like with Goudreau where you run out of time and you can't trade him anymore because no one's going to bother. They're like, well, I can sign him anyway. So why would I give you anything? So trade any of these players that you have, even a gut feel that they don't want to stay here, get rid of them immediately. Yeah, I, I feel like that's like, most of the team. Yeah, right after the fucking playoffs are done, get rid of them because no GM's going to pick up the phone that's in the playoffs. You probably don't even want to fucking trade it to a playoff team anyway because you're not going to get a good pick out of it. Just fucking get rid of them. I loved Lindholm. He added a lot to the franchise, but hey, see you later. Well, he's got one year left. I know, but he's got to be traded then. Because if yeah. he's, if he's already... You've got to trade these guys for assets at this point, well, that's right? That's what I'm saying. If he's waffling Lindholm's over Lindholm's on it, a team-friendly contract. Completely. He knows that. Yeah, and this is easy easy to trade a guy like that. And you, you, get, you get assets back and whatever you can get. <laughs> Try to get it because we need it, but we're not going that way. We're going another way for some crazy Listen, th- thoughts on Trilliving leaving? I-, I was expecting it. We we were talking about yeah, it. I-, like, I thought it was I- coming. I- I'm sad, but at the same time, like I think his time is done here too, in fairness. I- I'm, not, I'm not mad he's gone. Uh, well, I-, I-, I think the time had actually come to an end. Like He had done everything he possibly could to bring this team forward in the circumstances. Yes. There was nothing else he could do. I agree. I, I think it, mentally, it, it was the time was right for him to go. Yeah. Because I think he looked at this whole thing. It was like, I've been here how long? I tried everything. I literally tried everything. He, he can leave with his head high. He tried everything. We need fresh blood. And yeah, maybe, maybe it starts there. Yeah, maybe. And, you know, now we look at it and say, where do we get this fresh blood? Wherever we can. And that's on ownership because ownership is hiring the new GM. And they got to get this guy in and. 
Yeah, who, who the fuck's that? He's got to write this ship immediately because <laughs> <laughs> we are going to, we're like the Titanic every season steaming head on towards an iceberg <laughs> and we have no fucking clue. We're just doing it. Yeah. It's sad, but yeah, I think it was time for him to go. I think he's no shame. No shame in what no. he did. And I mean, <clears throat> it'll, it'll be I'd interesting be, I'd be to see. splitting hairs if well, I criticize something with him, right? What we do this season, because we have a, like a 0.5% chance at Bedard. We're not, yeah, there's no chance. That's, I know there's no chance, but. It would be hilarious if we got him, but, you know, we'd still find a way to fuck it up. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, there'll be some weird ass thing that fucks that up anyway. But. Yeah, he'll just be like, I'm not signing here. Yeah. <laughs> He'll do an Adam Fox. Like, no. Well, he can't, though, because he's not going to have the college like loophole or whatever it is, right? Oh, really? So that, that's like the key. Well, number one, I'd rather draft kids in these Canadian leagues, right? Because yeah. they play like 80-something games. Yeah. College kids play like, what, 20 or 30? Um, they, and they're hungry to – they're not in school. They're ready to just play. They don't have a plan B, right? Right. Whereas this college – like Coronado, the guy's getting a fucking degree from Harvard. Like, <laughs> like the kids, the guy's fucking set, man. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're coming in as a huge prospect for the Flames. You have an entire city excited to watch you for next season. And if all sh- shits to bed, you got a degree from Havit. Yeah. And you can just go fucking go work at Goldman Sachs and fucking die of some overdose in the 40 <laughs> because you traded and you did all this shit. Banged hookers. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> kidding um but like he's got a plan b these these college kids play with no fucking stress i kind of like that but we need people we need guys that want to play want to play here. yeah and i think it's just frustrating because we just seem like we're continually rudderless and i mean maybe maybe that's an unfair criticism because i guess we had a plan last season and we went for it we didn't want to rebuild we're gonna win now and we yeah. tried to do that but now it seems like we're, you know, how many first round picks have we lost now? I don't know. I, I lost track, man. I lost track because we, we trade away a lot. That, that might be the only real criticism I have of Brad. But I think it was still the direction of ownership going to Brad and being like, we want to win now. Yeah. Right? So he was like, well, fuck, you want me to trade the first rounders too? And they're probably like, yeah. Right? Do what you need to do. Like, we almost need, like, a trailblazing GM that comes in and tells ownership, we need to do it this way. I'm not taking no for an answer. And if you don't agree with it, I quit. I don't think they'll hire a guy like that. Well, they need to. (laughs) They need to. Take some fucking criticism and let's change. You clearly don't know what you're fucking doing. You know, you had one fucking... Zero Stanley Cups to show for it. Well, yeah. And one one Stanley Cup final appearance in forever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then after that, we have not made it to the third round. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We have not made it to a Western Conference final since. No. Or long before that either. Yeah. And there's something fundamentally wrong when I think it's three of the last five coaches we had had Jack Adams trophies, uh, Jack Adams awards too. Yeah. Hardly. So, so Hardly, Sutter. Sutter, and was it Peters or was it? Bill Peters, did he get one with us? Uh, let me double check this. Fill the air tie. Wasn't it Peters who was there that season we finished 
first in the West, second in the league. And then got absolutely rocked by Colorado. That was Bill Peters. Was that Bill Peters? I wonder what Bill Peters is doing right now. You know, he got fired from Russia. He's probably, like, filling in at Daryl's farm for him. Being like, joke's on you, buddy. Yeah, so... We- <laughs> Listening to his so favorite we, genre No, he was music, a finalist. Rap. He was a finalist, sorry. Um, a finalist? I think so. Like, well, he was on the short list, right? But it wasn't... So it was Hartley in 2014, 2015. And then it was Sutter in last season. Yeah, but you have a number of coaches who do it. Yeah, and then I think Bill Peters was like, he was like one of one of two that year that he was touted to win. Anyway, the point is like, you had two Jack Adam winners and like one finalist in the last five coaches you had. So at some point, where do you see this situation where it's like you peaked at round two? That's where you peaked. You look at this, you had really good coaches when the team gelled to play great. But for some reason, you didn't really... You talked about fucking winning it, but you didn't do anything about the fucking lack of playoff experience on this team. You didn't do anything about getting the guy. How do you you get the guy? The guy doesn't just appear. No, I know. But like what I'm saying is we didn't even... like We weren't even rumored to get the guy. We were never even rumored to be getting... Well, those kind of players... Like, think about, like... Calgary just can't land those kind of guys. No, but think about, like, a... Let's just... Very stupid example, and I don't even like him, but say a Patrick Kane. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And say we traded two first-rounders and, I don't know, one of, like, call it a prospect that we all loved, right? Sure. That's something that we needed. We didn't even get rumored to do shit like that. So, but a, a Patrick Kane type player has picked one team he wants to go to. No, I know, but I'm just saying theoretically. I'm talking about having a guy with a proven playoff experience and a guy right. at the time would have added a lot of value. Let's, he wasn't let's like just say the number one trade bait board guy right. comes up at playoffs and we're never in for him. We're, we're never in for in. like the fifth or yeah, sixth guy. Yeah, exactly. Kind of guy. So, exactly. And Troy that's my point. Of yeah, the list. Th- it, that's my point is that you, you tell me you want to win now. But you also didn't really fucking want to win because you, you sit there and you had amazing coaching at some point, actually three different points. Yeah. And you didn't give this team that one extra guy before the playoffs to help elevate this team. You didn't do that. You kind of sat there and said, this is our core. We believe in this core. Yeah, great. But you didn't really go for the guy that was going to help complement that core, to lead that core, to be like, this is how you fucking win, guys. I mean... Like a Drew Doughty, for example, there was probably a couple of years there where he would have been on the block. Didn't we do that last year with Toffoli or the year before? Well, I mean, but that's but that's Toffoli. It's not a Drew Doughty. It's not a Patrick Kane. It's not a you know what I mean. I'm talking about a stalwart guy. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Right? Yeah. Like there was probably a time where we could have <laughs> traded two first rounders for a Doughty. Yeah. Right. When the Kings were purposely tanking. Right. There could have been a time where we could have went for a quick even. Yeah. Right? Like, when we had fucking got... What the fuck? Elliot. Jesus Christ. Could you imagine if the Flames had Jonathan Quick that year? Yeah. 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 Right? You, that's what I'm trying to say. It's, it doesn't have to be a fucking goal scorer. It could be an amazing defender, amazing goalie, amazing... That final piece of the puzzle. Yeah. That's, never, and never you get. never went for it. We just did these fucking ho-hum, you know, sideway trades. Right? Where it wasn't really a gain or a loss. Like, and it took advanced... Fucking I, I, think, nerd statistics I think that just shows there's no belief in this team to go all in. 
Yeah, but we, if you want to win now, then you need to go all in. Yeah. And I thought, and I really, really, really thought the Huberto thing was an all in play. Oh, it was. And it was. And We're still all in for eight years. I know, but, but it, it was all in from a contract perspective. It wasn't really all in from a trade perspective, right? It was, it was almost a reluctant trade because it was kind of like, well, maybe we can convince Matthew to stay, right? Maybe we'll wait it out a month. Maybe we'll just talk to him before the season starts, right? But then when Florida like, came knocking, it's like, hey, I got two guys for you. We like Matthew. What if we pulled a fast one and signed him and didn't train him? That'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to show up ready to play <laughs> every game. But, like, I don't know. That, it's my criticism. Again, that's back to ownership, though. I don't think that's Trelving's fault. Um, because what if ownership was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? Like, why are you giving, like, three first-round picks for this guy? Like, do you really think you're going to win? Yeah. Like, you need, you need balls, man. Yeah. Like, you need fucking balls. Like, if you're going to fucking run a, friend, a, a fucking hockey club, you need some fucking balls. Whether it's ownership or as a GM, maybe as an owner, you go up to the gym and be like, you know what? Take that fucking risk. You and I, we're going down together if it doesn't work. It's like that scene in Moneyball. It's the same thing where he was like, he's like, it's just you and me, Pete. Yeah, we're in this for the we're in this till you know it doesn't work. But basically. we don't have a Billy Bean, you know. <laughs> I know we Billy Bean's a, just an example. We have a Daryl Sutter <laughs> and a who wants to Don play? Maloney now. I mean, but that's the thing. Like, if if Sutter becomes GM, which I'm, there is a small chance of me that's worried about that. We're gonna get a bunch of ranch hands on our <laughs> fucking club, and it's just gonna be over, man. Like, just, like, a bunch of guys that, like, you know, they're just barely third liners on all these other fucking clubs that are 6'5 and 250 pounds, and they just beat the shit out of you if you fucking beat them. You know what, though? Every time they do that fan vote for uh, what song do you want to sing, they can just play Home on the Range now. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, I've been working on the railroad, something like that. And and to be... (laughs) And to be clear, this is not a knock on ranch hands, okay? I, there's no way I could do that fucking job. I think it's fucking hard, okay? But it, the, it, it's, more of a, it's more of a metaphor. It's a, it's a hockey analogy. It's a hockey analogy and a and, metaphor and about, of how Sutter would run this club. Just We're going to have literally four lines of Nick Ritchie's if this guy becomes we're GM just, again. We're just not adapting to the modern game. Our teams do not look quick enough, hungry enough, or tenacious enough to play 2023 hockey. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. Like, I get it. You need some size. You need some, you need some power. You need some big bodies on your team. That's for sure. But you, you need skill. And you need, you need creativity. And you need people who, who, who make chances, scoring chances. And you need finishers. You have a goal scorer. Someone who can finish for you, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, like, without, like, and that's, these star players, these stalwart players, they're the precision guys. They're your precision. In a race car, you can have all the fucking power in the world, but if you don't have the precision steering, like the right tires and all the, you're not going to be shit. And you know right? what, what was frustrating about this season as well is there were just a number of times where it felt like the things you could control, like the effort, the desire, the heart, that wasn't there either. And I know there's a lot of things that went wrong this season, but Ah, bullshit. Yeah. Any other other points or conclusions? <laughs> Any other hard hitting analysis? I don't know if we missed anything else. Oh, we covered. Well, a lot. I mean, I'm I'm 
I'm cautiously optimistic about the next GM. I know it's rumored to be Conroy and potentially yeah. even a Ginla. What, what difference does um, what difference does a Conroy make? No, it doesn't. So I why, mean, why Conroy? I'm, Conroy? Why we're just promoting from within? All right. No, no, Listen, why I'm cautiously if we're optimistic. promoting from within, we should make that Mitch Love guy coach. Because he was freaking coach of the year in the A, and he deserves a shot. I agree. And, you know, if Dallas Eakins is still coaching around in the NHL and still getting shots, <laughs> we should hire this Mitch Love guy. Because it's, it sounds like the players adore him. And if you, it, he knows these guys in the AHL. And honestly, our AHL team could probably beat our NHL team. <laughs> so maybe we should just switch them around. But uh, I don't even know. If we're going to promote from within, that's the kind of thing we should be doing. I, I was. Kinda... I just don't think. Aginla, I love. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, what kind of experience does the guy have? No, no. I why I say cautiously optimistic is, uh, despite that rumor, I'm optimistic that maybe we'll get a, a proper season GM that knows how to rebuild a team. I'm not talking about Conroy. I'm not talking about Aginla. I'm just saying those are the rumors. Listen, right? Treliving was. I, I can understand why we do that because we kind of went off the board with Treliving. He yeah. was an assistant GM in in Arizona. Yeah, and then who's like Feaster? Yeah, he replaced Feaster was a seasoned guy. Yeah, Feaster is Feaster is a good GM, I yep. think. <laughs> Very aptly named Jekowski. Jay Feaster. Very, I love his name. Yeah, but uh, like, yeah. So like, I just Conroy doesn't. I don't think he's got Conroy when he said that. Johnny's going to stay whole thing in February, and yeah, he didn't stay. Was... I just lost a lot of – it's not respect. It's just, like, trust in the guy. I just trust don't, in, that, I just in don't, that role. I just don't trust him if he's just going out on a limb like that. Unless you're absolutely sure that that contract is a done deal, that's when you say that. And to be, honestly, to, to be honest, I don't feel like he was ever held accountable for saying that because it's probably long been forgotten. Because there's just so much going yeah. on with the whole Johnny Goudreau, Matthew Kachuk leaving thing. It was a busy summer. But I don't think that guy is fit or deserves to be the GM of the Calgary Flames. And but he needs to get like more I, GM experience. I, I think we before. need to clean up most of this organization, coaching and, and management-wise. And we need to start afresh. We need to find a guy who has a vision that somehow aligns with what management wants. Or he can tread the line of what management wants. That versus, would be ideal. <clears throat> yeah. A guy who can tread the That's line. That's what I want. But also, no, you, uh, you want. Well, the I full want the. I want the full man. revolution. But but a guy who treads the line, who who knows how to walk that fine line between you know disaster and ecstasy. That's the guy that we need. Yeah. And honestly, maybe disaster is what this team absolutely needs because we are walking the fine line between playoffs and not playoffs forever. And look where it's gotten us. Maybe we need an absolute train wreck of the season. Or we could just win a Stanley Cup and then I could die a happy man. I'm fine with either at this point. Yeah. No, I mean, like, and my final thought on this is, again, my question to management is, what is the fucking downside in actually completely rebuilding this team? Loss of money. No, I know. But Loss that, of revenue. Well, you know what? That's a good, okay. You know what? If there are fans that are not showing up because we're not trying to win and we're trying to rebuild the team, I don't want fucking fans Listen, like that at the game. I don't, I don't, I don't want you fucking Flames fans okay, that show okay, up. Okay, but like, again, if no you're offense in it for to our the, fans. No, no, but if, you, if, you're a, if you're a win-only fan, you're a fan that only wants to just see them win, 
and all this shit. You're not there to watch them suck. You're not there to watch them struggle to rebuild. I don't want a fucking Flames fan like you at the stadium. What percentage of fans are like that in the Dome anyhow? I think, I think the majority of our fans are okay with watching this team shit, and I'm, I think they're okay with watching them do well. I'd, I'd, I'd agree, I think we I'd, have, I'd agree, but I'd I think say, we have rainy day fans. I think we have a lot of rainy day fans for this team. But I'd say you don't have to worry about the revenue because that's a lot of those saying. tickets are corporate. But that's what I'm. But, but I'm also saying that you have no downside to that point. And there's no there's no competition in Calgary. What else are you going to do in the winter? Nothing. There's no other. Com- well, let's go to the game. That sounds like fun. Yeah. It, so, like, you're still going to sell at the fucking Teenagers stadium. Teenagers in the nosebleeds, your investment bankers, like you said, you know, the, yeah. Har- the Matthew Coronado's filling out the boxes and all that stuff. Yeah, man. Like, what, what, like, what is the downside? Sell. It's not, there's no money downside. None. Wow. Like, you guys are so. And these guys, guys have so, so much money. Man, you guys are so fucking flush well, of money. We don't even have an advertisement on our fucking jersey. Why did you, like everybody why else did you buy this team? If not, it's because you've got so much money, exactly. you just wanted the glory. Yeah, well, you I don't wanted know what to win. You're the owner of the Calgary Flames who've won a Stanley Cup. Or is it just because you look at them as another asset? How fucking greedy can you be? I mean, I'm never in a situation where I have billions of dollars to understand how many more billions I want. But I, I feel like if that was me, you know, and, and I can speak from other sports who have oligarch owners who don't care about the money and only care about the glory. That's not our owners. No, no, no. We, yeah. Murray Edwards is one of the richest guys in Canada, by far. And well, like, and he'll tell you there's a reason for that. Yeah, because well, he knows smart, what he's fucking there's, doing. There's, there's also a fine line between smart investments and winning a Stanley Cup <laughs> as an owner. Yeah, and I mean, you want to walk into the room and whip out your dick and slap it on the table? There you go. <laughs> Have a Stanley Cup to do that for you. But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when your bank account doesn't quite cut it, you can try that move. But hey, I mean, it's just what do I know, right? I think, yeah. I again, the question to ownership is: what is the downside? It's not money. It can't be. These, these, this stadium will be full. It will be full. Yeah. In a rebuild, it's a separate type of excitement. And I, and even I mean, in that last game of the season, everyone was kind of excited to watch Coronado. I only tuned Wolf, in. Wolf. Wolf. Yeah, watching Wolf Peliche like. I, you know, I've tuned in the most games this year. Like, I mean, I have a fucking job. But, like, you know, I especially was excited to tune into that game. Like, in a game that meant nothing, I, I just want to watch Coronado play. I want to watch Wolf play. Yeah. Right? Like, you're going to have fans that show up from, from just purely an excitement of seeing something that we've been deprived of for fucking years. A fucking chance at watching prospects young prospects numerous prospects at once we're not asking for much and that's how this team got good again 100 percent. so fucking do it again there is no downside well i mean i was gonna say something about ownership but i forgot what it was if we yeah i remember now if it was an ownership that is actually looking at this team and saying this group can win we're going to stick with them repetitively. We have a problem. Yeah. I mean, we've already gone through I, it. I don't, I don't think no matter what you can do with this core right now, there's any way we win. A, because number one, the goaltending is shot. Uh, the defense is solid, but you, you don't have that, which Uyghur should have been or anybody else should have been, that puck-moving defenseman who absolutely terrifies the other team that creates offense out of nothing. 
And our forwards, I don't even know what we have for forwards. A bunch of good players. Uh, good. Like yeah, above that's, average. What, that's what I mean. There are a bunch of good players who underperform. And uh, maybe next year brings, you know, new hope, but... <laughs> Back to the vicious cycle. It's, it's a stretch. <laughs> we'll see how I feel come August, but but yeah. I mean, I it'll be interesting to see what this team does at trade deadline, at free agency. I don't think we have a lot of cap room, so I'm not sure if we have a lot of space to do anything, but... The first excitement for me is to see who they hire as GM. And I'm kind of that might be a while. And I'm kind of hoping, but it should be it should be in place before the trade deadline. I'm hoping because your GM is making big decisions on who you're drafting, and that kind of guy should be in place well before the deadline, in my in my opinion. But then again, I don't have enough money to own a hockey club. (laughs) But if I did, I would I would I would constantly have a list of candidates that I've wanted because when I've played sports simulators and I know who's out there. (laughs) You go for it. I go, I go for it because the good thing about sports simulators is feelings and relationships aren't involved. <laughs> and the only thing I want to do is win. That's it. I like trophies. And hopefully trophies like me too. Okay. Anything else? Nope. I guess uh, that's our cutting edge analysis for the year. We will... Uh, Probably be back around trade deadline, free agency for a midsummer dash, and then not until uh, September after that. Yep. Because, you know, there will be no hockey, and you don't... I mean, I don't even know what's going on in the playoffs. I'm just so disinterested in hockey because of the Flames right now. Usually I might watch a few games, but also, you know, my usual group of poolsters didn't even do a playoff pool. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? And I love doing the playoff pool. It makes it interesting, right? You chime into the games and you see how your players do and who gets points. And yeah, but no pools, man. It's just it's not as fun. I miss the pooling. Yeah, I mean, would have been nice, but yeah, I such is life. So I mean, we'll. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. Like I love watching hockey, but I'm not really watching it now. And also, I just when I, when I watch the playoff hockey, I realize how bad the Flames actually are. When <laughs> I watch other teams kind of more regularly, I'm like, dude, we suck. But ugh. what can you do? I wonder uh, how many rounds the boys have got in already. It's a good question. They've probably well, Rick, Rick had a round on the weekend. No, he I meant around. Flames. No, I know, but yeah. I'm just saying that like oh, there yeah, were some it? courses that were open. Well, okay, well. We're 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 not far behind the flames. No, we're not. The course beckons. So, listen. Um, as I always forget to say at the beginning, thanks so much for sticking with us uh, through this season. It's been it's been a ride, but uh, we are glad that you joined us for it. And we're sorry we didn't do too many, but life just got crazy in 2023, and lots of things going on. I moved houses, got engaged, you know, shit like that. Jank, as I as I mentioned before. He started talking to girls again. So that was a big thing for him. A big moment. You can end He's it getting now. a little teary over you there. End it now. We're just, we're just trying to end it. So again, thank you so much. See you around the, what the heck is it called? Draft day, free agency day. Hopefully the Flames have a lot of things in place by then. Thank you so much for your support this season. Uh, well, go Flames, go 2023, 2024. Bye-bye.